Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90-min football family as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simiou. Uh, good to see you guys uh, in the live chat. How's it going? Uh, apologies for the lack of a podcast yesterday. Um, I had uh, a really, really busy morning and I, I th- sort of thought about doing one a little bit later on in the day, but I'd promised that was going to take the family out. So I decided that for once that had to take precedent for once, um, the family in terms of, uh, sort of spending time with them over the transfer chat had to, um, had to win. And, uh, yeah, went out last night, uh, had a great, uh, evening with the family, which was nice. It was nice to kind of detach myself from it all, uh, for a few hours at least, but you could bet that I was scrolling through Twitter pretty much every hour, uh, making sure, that I hadn't missed anything major. I was across everything that was going on, but it does feel like this 24 hours, maybe more than any other 24 hours, has seen more stories emerge about the Arsenal than we've seen probably over the course of this window so far. Now, I know there's been bigger stuff, like when we made that £105 million offer for Declan Rice, like when we heard that Arsenal uh, were in for Kai Havertz. All of those stories were bigger in isolation But of course, there's just so much going on with Arsenal right now. Like you miss one day and my God, um, you feel like you've fallen right behind. So I'm looking forward to being back behind the microphone, looking forward to breaking all of this down, sharing some thoughts and opinions on the stories that have emerged and um, and getting you guys' thoughts and takes as well from the live chat box. Um, let's see uh, how many of you are with us right now. Plenty. Uh, let's say a few hellos. A big hello to Tom, to Tariq, to Viju. We've got Halar. We've got uh, Andy Parsons. Uh, we've got uh, Matt. We've got Halo. Did I say Halo already? I think I did. Uh, we've got Dean. We've got the Italian Stallion Zebedees with us. Christoph is here too. Uh, we've got another Harry, Julian, uh, Gunner Tings. We've got Dean. Um, we have got uh, Sandor, uh, Revel, uh, Osuo Aboni, um, Aboneni, sorry, apologies. Casey Clips is with us and Wandering Minstrel is here too. Right, so let's start working our way through these stories because as I say, there are loads and loads and loads to get through. Um, I guess let's get the big sort of elephant in the room type story out of the way first, because you'd have seen that in the title of the episode, I put Mbappe reportedly impressed. I beg your pardon by Arsenal. Um, Now, let me just be clear from the very beginning of this podcast that I do not believe for a second that Arsenal are in the race to sign Kylian Mbappe. 
Now, just to give you some background and some context around the situation at the moment, for those that maybe haven't been following uh, what's going on with Mbappe and PSG, basically, Kylian Mbappe is not signing a new contract at Paris Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain do not want to lose him uh, on a free transfer next summer. They feel like on top of the fact that they wouldn't be getting financial compensation for the departure of one of their big players and a player that they've invested a shit ton of money in over the last few years, they think that it's a really, really bad look. To lose Kylian Mbappe on a free would be disastrous uh, for Paris Saint-Germain. So they've been very clear in their stance. Either you leave now, we sell you and we get big money in for you, or... Um, you know, you you sign a new contract. They're not having this Kylian Mbappe running his contract down thing. They don't want anything like that to happen. They don't want anything like that to occur. They really do believe, as I say, that on top of it being almost a disaster financially, not that PSG have cared about money in recent years too much, but not only would it be a disaster financially, but for their reputation for their brand, for what it would mean for the football club. That is the worst possible outcome and the worst possible scenario. So they are trying to move Kylian Mbappe out this summer, but Kylian Mbappe seemingly is digging his heels in. Now, whatever happens with Kylian Mbappe, he's going to be expensive for somebody because his wages are crazy. If he doesn't go for a transfer fee, he's going to demand a pretty big signing on fee. And I've talked about this before in the past where I feel like this is a big part of where football is heading now. Players sometimes prefer to run their contracts down and go on a free because it means they get the signing on fee. And there's not this big transfer fee exchange between the two clubs that they don't see any of. They want to benefit as individuals too. I beg your pardon. Hay fever is at me today. Um, so anyway, the point I'm trying to say, um, or, or the point I'm trying to make around this Kylian Mbappe story, which is a story that's come out today with regards to Kylian Mbappe's future is written by Miguel Delaney, um, who says it is understood that Arsenal would actually be Mbappe's first preference if he were ever to go to the Premier League, both because he likes the evolution of Mikel Arteta's team and would also enjoy the challenge of delivering the title to the club again. Now, as I say, I, I think this is a bit of game playing. I think this is Kylian Mbappe's people maybe feeding this through um, to try and sort of make it clear that, you know, or, or keep the conversation going between PSG and Kylian Mbappe to keep it seeming as though there's loads and loads of interest in him and that maybe he can get what he wants in the end, which is that move away but not this summer, next summer. Um, because uh, look, I honestly do believe that at some point, Kylian Mbappe wants to be a Real Madrid player. But I just think he'd rather do it on his terms. He's young. He knows that. He's got plenty of time ahead of him. He knows that he can uh, engineer this to work in a way that works best for him and his people. And, you know, it does feel like the relationship between him and PSG is that little bit fractured Um I say a little bit is very fractured and is is very problematic. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but th the point I'm making again, let me just go circle back to the the overriding point of this is not that Arsenal are going to go out and sign Kylian Mbappe. So don't get carried away. 
Don't get overly excited by that. I don't think the financials of this can work within the Arsenal model. Now, yes, we've gone that little bit extra to get Declan Rice in. Yes, we've probably overpaid uh, in a lot of people's eyes for, for Kai Havertz. Yes, we're paying big salaries. All of the rest of it is, uh, of course, true. But all I'm taking away from this at this stage is that it's great to see Arsenal's name associated once again with arguably the best player in world football right now. That is a sign of where Arsenal are at today in comparison to where they were two, three seasons ago. It's not about how realistic this is, because for me at this stage, I, I would not say it's realistic. I would not say that this is something that's going to happen, all of the rest of it. This is for me just a little bit flattering. That's how I would put this. So don't get carried away, but to see Arsenal's name linked, to hear that somewhere along the line it's been, um, you know, fed through that Kylian Mbappe does have this admiration for Arsenal and the job that Mikel Arteta is doing right now is massive in itself. Think about a few years ago, and this was rightly pointed out on Twitter by a good friend, Mems, um, earlier today. He said, a few years ago, we couldn't even attract Jamie Vardy from Leicester City. And it's true. And again, I'm not saying that we're going to go on and sign Kylian Mbappe. Let me make that clear for the 500th time before we move forward on this conversation. But just to know or to hear or to have that fed through that Arsenal would be a destination that Kylian Mbappe would be interested in should he choose to move to the Premier League is a big, big statement in terms of what it means for Arsenal's reputation. We've sat here for the best part of two years and said, or I've certainly sat here for the best part of two years and said, Arteta's good. Arteta's the man. Him and Edu are working well together. We're moving in the right direction. And not everybody was on board with that at the start. There were a lot of doubts. There were a lot of critics, all the rest of it. And that's absolutely fine. But what this evidence is, is that that feeling that we have right now of how much Arsenal have progressed and how good it all feels that is a feeling that is now being extended to the wider world. Others outside of Arsenal are now looking at this football club and saying, this is a serious football club. This is a club moving in the right direction. This is a club with, um, you know, a really high ceiling and with an ownership that are willing to to push on and, and with the ability to talent ID really, really well and then put it all together and create a really, really effective and impactful team. So this is what I'm saying. Um this is what I'm saying. It's it, it just it's great for us that we are now held in this esteem. Um, Richard Sowards in the chat says, uh, Harry, you're assuming that the rumour is being generated by someone at Mbappe's camp is utter nonsense. You unfortunately are doing what the French press are, which is making this guy out to be a villain. Um, I'm assuming, yes, that it's come from somebody in the Mbappe world because I don't really understand why Real Madrid would want to feed that out or why PSG would want to feed that out. So it's got to come from somewhere, right? And I trust that, you know, top journalists do their due diligence and ask the right questions and, and verify their sources as much as possible. I always say that a journalist is only as good as... um you know, their their information uh, and all the rest of it. But yeah, um, I, 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 I'm not saying that, that the French media aren't doing that with Kylian Mbappe. 
um and all the rest of it like there is a case that there is a bit of misreporting going on with this and you know Kylian Mbappe's been painted in the wrong picture and I know that he's come out and denied a lot of the stuff that's been said about him a lot of the stuff that's been reported about him I don't think Miguel Delaney is is there to um paint Kylian Mbappe in a bad light um so yeah that's um that's where I'm at on this. Like, what happens with Kylian Mbappe and PSG? To me, like, I I don't think that Kylian Mbappe is a saint, and I don't think that he's always gone about things in the right way. But equally, I think when you work the way that PSG do, you also can't really complain or don't really have a leg to stand on when you're treated the same the other way around you know, and, and when it's all about money and, and all the rest of it, like Kylian Mbappe, is he this power hungry monster that people make him out to be? I don't think he's that bad, but I do think he's got an ego. I do think he knows how good he is. And I do think he understands his value, not just on the pitch, but off of it as well. And I think that's played a big part in him making some outrageous demands. But at the same time, PSG have allowed him to, to get those things. And it's just like a bad toxic marriage, isn't it? That's how I would describe uh, Paris Saint-Germain's relationship with Kylian Mbappe right now, and it's probably best for everybody that they just part ways. It doesn't mean, though, that PSG can't be happy with someone else or that Kylian Mbappe can't be happy with somewhere else. Arsenal, hint, hint. Anyway, um, don't think that he's coming, just to be clear, but do think that this is, you know, uh, something we can take as a positive because, of course, we are now being linked with one of, if not the best player on earth. And that just wouldn't have happened two, three years ago, which is is the truth. Um, okay, let's take it on. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Granit Xhaka, who, of course, was confirmed yesterday as a Bayer Leverkusen player. Um, look, you know my thoughts on Granit Xhaka. You guys know that I've been a staunch defender of the Swiss international for a long, long time because I always felt like he was unfairly treated Often the criticism that he received was disproportionate to what we'd actually seen unfold on the pitch. Um, I know a lot of people sort of were disappointed by the whole incident between him and the Arsenal fans during that game against Crystal Palace a few years ago now. For me, that was just an explosion of emotion on both sides. But if I had to pick a side that I thought overstepped the mark and, and you know went beyond what was acceptable, I would say it was the fans. And I know I took a lot of hate for that um on every platform that I went on during that period of time but anyway look he's gone now um I'm pleased for him because this is a move that clearly means quite a lot to him and his family there was always that desire I beg your pardon the sneezes have got me there's always been that desire um for uh him to eventually return back to Germany and listen Bayer Leverkusen is an interesting project um one of the stronger sides in Germany. There's a lot of talented players there. Uh, you've got Javi Alonso there, who's a really, really high-regarded coach, and I think he's going to go on and do really good things. And if he wants him and he's gone out on a limb to not just get him the long-term contract that Granit Jack is seeking at the age of 30, but also to get the club to sanction a 20-plus million pound deal, which is a lot of money for Bayer Leverkusen in terms of uh, laying it out on the table, then you can understand why this appealed to Granit Xhaka. And look, I genuinely do wish him all the best. I'm going to miss him, going to miss his character, um, going to miss his leadership. I thought he won 
everybody over last season, even the doubters, you know, that or even his staunchest of critics over the last few years turned Team Shaka last season. And that is a testament to the man, to the character. I think Arteta deserves credit for that. I think the club deserve credit for that. But most of all, more than anyone, Granite Xhaka deserves credit for that because he managed to change that perception of him by just focusing on his football, being a leader and and not allowing the past to basically impact on what he was, um, you know, on uh, on what he was producing on the pitch, which wasn't always the case. So uh, Granite Xhaka's gone and um, the club put out lots of content around it. Um, a really emotional uh, goodbye video, which got me, I have to say, um, Granite Xhaka put out a post on social media as well. Don't I'm not crying or, or sniffling because I'm upset about Granite Xhaka. Hay fever is kicking my backside today. Um, but anyway, let me get back to it. So, uh, yeah, look, it's done. Um, we bid him farewell. I, I still think at this moment in time, although we've got Kai Havertz in, who we think is going to play a role in midfield, and we've got Declan Rice, from what we understand, undergoing his medical today. I still think we need more in midfield. I really, really do. I still worry about the depth in that midfield. And it makes it even more important that we either keep Thomas Partey now or we cash in on him and we go and get someone in who's ready to impact the team today. Um, we keep coming back to this conversation of uh, Romeo Lavia, who I like as a footballer, but is he there today? Not sure about that, which is why I'd be reluctant if I was Arsenal to go and spend big money on him uh, this summer. Uh, all kinds says, um, don't lie, Harry, you're crying. I am. I am. Um, I really, really am. <laughs> um, there's a really good question in here about tickets. We'll come on to that a, a little bit later on. I'll, I'll save that one. If you've got questions, guys, for the podcast, uh, hold fire on them because we will do a Q&A section towards the end and it just saves them getting lost uh, in the... Um, in the uh, in the chat, uh, Anthony Riley says, "Flicks a nasal nasal spray, Harry. It will help, mate. Do you know what? Like, I know this bores people when I go off on tangents about me, but um, it's not what I'm meaning to do. It's just uh, it's an interesting conversation because over the last couple of seasons, where hay fever has really impacted me, um, I've been taking fexofenadine tablets and an, a particular nasal spray." Uh, that I've been getting from the doctor prescribed, which has been amazing. It's done wonders for me. But for some reason, that same prescription is not doing the business this time around. Um, you guys gave me a few things to try last time around. I have to be honest, I haven't got uh, around to getting down to the, the pharmacy and doing all that, but I think it's definitely needed. Um, anyway, thank you for that recommendation, mate. Uh, look, we're going to take a really, really short pause. Like I'm talking two, three seconds, so don't go anywhere. And then we're going to carry on with the podcast. We're going to talk William Saliba, who apparently signed his new contract with the club yesterday. We're hoping we're going to get an announcement on that today at some point. We're going to talk Reese Nelson, whose new contract with the club was announced. We're going to be discussing Steve Round's departure. We're going to be talking about the departure of Gary O'Driscoll, the club doctor, who's headed for Manchester United. And we'll be bringing you the latest on Timber and Rice, as well as taking your questions a little bit later on in the programme. So don't go anywhere. I'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back along to the show. William Saliba, according to David Ornstein, signed his new contract on Thursday and the announcement, we think, is going to land today at some point. We'll save the deeper chat around what William Saliba's 
contract extension means for Arsenal Football Club until that is announced. Because I think that's a really, really good conversation and one I certainly want to have and one that I certainly want to dedicate an episode to. Um, conflicting reports on the terms of this contract. David Ornstein says that it's a four-year contract with no option at the end of it for the club to extend it further. Fabrizio Romano says that there is a one-year option on the end of it. So I don't really know um, for sure which one is right. I would lean towards David Ornstein in terms of reliability when it comes to Arsenal. Fabrizio's great, but I just think you can't possibly be across so many clubs and so many different situations and be as close and as spot on every single time. And you often see him sort of following up on stories that have been broken by others and just adding a little bit more colour. Um, I guess when he gets the steer as to maybe what's happening, it's easier to then know, right, I'll go here and I'll ask this person or I'll ask that person. I think, as I say, it's not a criticism of Fabrizio Romano. I think he's fantastic at what he does and he's made an amazing career out of being kind of the transfer guy. But I do think that it's impossible to be as close to that many clubs, that many players, that many situations without sometimes dropping the ball. So I'm going to go with David Ornstein on this and assume that there is uh, no option to extend it. And what that's done is that's prompted and sparked the conversation among the Arsenal fan base as to whether this is a good enough deal for the club. Is this one now where we're going to have to bloody renegotiate in two years' time? Well, that's the kind of narrative that I'm reading and seeing. But the truth is, I don't really know what else Arsenal can do. Like, it's all good tying these players down to long-term contracts. And it's all good telling them that, you know, this is the place for you, stay, blah, blah, blah. Nobody wants to be stuck in a contract that they don't want to be in. And if William Saliba gets even better over the next couple of years, he'll probably want to be in a position where he can renegotiate on a bigger salary, on better terms, etc., etc. So no matter how long you want the player to stay for, it doesn't always work like that. And there is another side to this. And there will be representatives on the player side that are always working to secure the best possible deal for their client. And sometimes you have to compromise in order to make the deal happen. Just like sometimes when you're bringing a player in, you have to agree, agree to overpay because often it's those leaps of faith that get those deals done and get them over the line. So I'm not concerned about this. I thought this was a really, really urgent thing going into the summer. And we heard from the back end of last season while Saliba was out injured that the, the, the talks were ongoing and that they were moving in the right direction, which is obviously great. And now we're at a point where we're waiting for an announcement. So, you know, we've got there. Four years is a long time. A lot of things can change in football. Um, and so I'm OK with this. I'm not disappointed by the length of it. I think if you want to keep hold of these players in the long term, Arsenal as a football club need to keep competing at the top, need to keep pushing, need to keep getting better. And if you do that, then there's no reason why, if you're competitive in your salaries as well, that you can't renegotiate these deals further down the line. Um, I think it's absolutely fine. I think it's something we should be celebrating, not something we should be picking holes in. And to be honest with you, I qu can't quite understand some of, and it's not everybody, but some of the negative reaction I've read about this uh, on social media uh, over the last sort of uh, 24 hours uh, or so. Right. Um, that's William Saliba. A contract uh, that has been extended and that has been announced is that of Reese Nelson's. Um, Look, I thought Reese Nelson did really, really well when he got opportunities last season. Didn't get as many opportunities as he probably deserved. Um, but that was because we had 
so much talent. You know, Martinelli was unbelievable, almost undroppable last season. Leandro Trossard, when he came in, was excellent. Bukayo Saka, well, you just don't drop Bukayo Saka, do you? Mikel Arteta certainly doesn't. Um, and I have been, as I keep saying, very much of the belief that Nelson is better from the left than he is from the right. And that's obviously limited his opportunities. But look, Arsenal have got this done. Um, he's just 23 years old, which is crazy because when you think about how long he's been knocking around the football club, it's impossible to to get your head around the fact that he is still, as I say, just 23 years old. Uh, this is what sporting director Edu had to say uh, via the club's website on the Reese Nelson contract extension. He said, Reese is still only 23 years old, but has already made a significant contribution to Arsenal for many years. He's gained good experience on loan, has come back and showed just how valuable he is to us. We are so happy to agree a new deal with Reese, and we are proud that he is another young player who has developed through our academy into our first team. Mikel Arteta added that Reese is a player I've admired since the first day I was here. He has tremendous ability and is such an exciting offensive talent. Reese knows how important he is to our squad with the quality he has. It's great that he's committed his future to us. He knows this club so well. He grew up here and we look forward to enjoying many more good moments with him. Now, his contract uh, extension at the time this was published was subject to the completion of regulatory processes. But we understand that it is all done and dusted. Reese Nelson signs on. Uh, Reese Nelson spoke uh, as well about the, the the news and you know how pleased he is with it and how he wants to go up to the next level. He wants to prove to Mikel Arteta and everybody else involved that he can go up to even an, an even higher level than the one he showed last season. And um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how he gets on. I'm glad he's staying. Um, this could be one of those where in a year, two years, we decide that we need to move on from him, um, that he's not going to be impactful enough because maybe we as a team are at a different stage. But in giving these players these contracts, you have them in a place now where you can demand money for them. And that's something we've not been good at in the past. I mean... Look at Eddie Nketiah. Remember when we signed him up on that five-year deal? Remember the outrage on that? 100 grand a week, five-year deal. What are we doing? I'm not saying we are going to sell him this summer because I don't know that's the case. But should we decide to let Eddie Nketiah go? And I'm sure there'll be suitors for Eddie Nketiah because of what he's shown his uh, himself to be capable of doing in the English top flight and at England under 21 level, all the rest of it. You do think that Actually, that five-year contract now puts us in a great position, in a position where we can demand some money, um, which would represent really, really good value. And in doing that, we'd not only make good on our investment that we put into Reese Nelson up front, but we'd also make a profit. And that's really, really important to be able to make uh, profit on players. I think it's really important for Arsenal moving forward as a football club, because that's not something that we've done well um, for a long, long time and uh, to see the club taking steps that help them in the short term, but also protect them in the long term, uh, for me, gives me greater sort of belief in the way the football club is being run. Um, OK, so that's that. Reese Nelson, new contract announced yesterday. Uh, Steve Round, uh, Arsenal's or Mikel Arteta's number two, has left the club by mutual consent. Uh, are Arsenal freshening things up here? Is this something that Arsene Wenger didn't do enough of? Who's coming in? Santi Gazzola, maybe? That would be the dream, wouldn't it? Look, 
Steve Round has done a, a good job with Mikel Arteta and he's often gone under the radar. There's been a lot of talk about sort of um, Albert Stoivenberg and the, the role that he's played. I always felt like Steve Round kind of went under the radar a little bit. When you look at Steve Round's previous jobs, you see someone that is obviously a very, very good coach. But he never came across as like a massive innovator or like someone that people were talking about. Like he was never the hipster's choice, should we put it that way? Steve Round, but he's come in, he's used his experience, he's obviously aided and guided Mikel Arteta a lot, as have all of his staff. Mikel Arteta is always keen to point out the impact that his staff have had. We don't know why Steve Round is leaving. Has he found an opportunity that appeals to him in management, maybe? Um, is that going to come to light over the coming weeks and months, perhaps? Is this Steve Round wanting to change roles for personal reasons? We don't know. Is this Mikel Arteta and the club deciding that they want to move in a slightly different direction. I don't know, um, is the truth. One of the things that Arsene Wenger did get heavily criticised for, though, during the back end of his career, was not freshening things up enough in terms of his number two. Sir Alex Ferguson did that on a number of occasions. He had Carlos Quiros at one time. He had um, Mullenstein. He had um, Mike Phelan. He had, was it Brian Kidd? He, was it Brian Kidd? Am I getting him mixed up with someone else? Anyway, look, there were loads, weren't there, throughout the time that Sir Alex Ferguson was in charge of Manchester United. Um, and, yeah, you you do that sometimes as a manager because you want someone to check you. You want someone to check your work. You want someone to test you. You want someone to challenge you. And if you work with the same people and you have the same ideas and you continue to do that without um, all the rest of it, then, you know, you you can often find yourself working in an echo chamber and getting caught up in, in your ideas, being a bit narrow-minded and falling behind. So it is healthy, I think, to do this from time to time. But look, the truth is we don't know exactly why Steve Round is left and credit to Charles Watts, who broke that news uh, yesterday. Uh, the club did come out and confirm that as well uh, via Edu. So Steve Round no longer at the Arsenal. Who's coming in? I honestly don't have a clue. Lots of rumours linking uh, Santi Cazorla with the position. It's been said for a while that he'd like to come back to Arsenal in a coaching capacity. We know that he's very close with Mikel Arteta. We know that they view football in a lot of the same ways. And, and maybe that would be something that I'd be interested in. But we're going to have to wait and see on that. I'm not entirely convinced that uh, Santi Cazorla is ready to hang up his boots just yet. Uh, which would obviously be a problem uh, with regards to this. Um, we're going to talk uh, Timber and Rice in just a minute. Just want to uh, say a big shout out to uh, regular listener, Stephen, uh, who says, Hi, Harry, I'm in North Mid Hospital after a stroke, uh, a bit too close to the toilet for my liking. Mate, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, had the pleasure of meeting Stephen at, at one of the events that we did um, with uh, the Guna Talk, with the Highbury Squad, and at Lee Judges TV a while back, top guy. Um, Stephen, uh, I'm really, really sorry to hear that. Glad to see that you're well enough, though, to, to be watching and, and commenting as well. Um, Arsenal keeps a lot of us going, doesn't it? Um, and it's a great motivation and distraction uh, when things aren't going 100% well. But listen, mate, um, all the best. Um, wishing you a speedy recovery and hope to see a message from you very soon saying that you're back at home uh, safe and sound well. And uh, on the men, Stephen, thank you uh, so much, mate. And uh, 
best wishes to you. Okay, um, final stories. Yuri and Timber and Declan Rice are said to be having their medicals today. Yuri and Timbers was um, rumoured to have been scheduled for this morning. He arrived in London yesterday with a view to taking um, those tests this morning. Don't really know uh, much about the Declan Rice thing. I, I find it hard to believe that Arsenal would announce both of these deals today. I wouldn't mind if they did, and we would certainly be back on here talking about it if they do. But, I mean, if the medicals are today, is that enough time to turn around all the other stuff? Or have they already done that, maybe? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. So we're going to have to wait and see um, on that. But look, those announcements are imminent, okay? Whether it's today, tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever. I know people get impatient if it's dragged out as long as Tuesday, even probably as long as Monday. But... Those announcements are imminent. Uh, lots of reputable sources reporting that those guys are undergoing their medicals this week, which is uh, this week today, I should say. It is this week, technically, I guess. But anyway, um, uh, Jay says Saliba announced today, Timber tomorrow, Rice Monday. Maybe, maybe. Um, right, let's um, let's get some of your thoughts from the live chat. Drop a few questions into the chat box for me. Uh, I'd love to get through as many of those as I possibly can. Uh, Aves Khan has an interesting question with regards to the ticketing situation at Arsenal um, because there's been a lot of discussion, debate around this. Uh, we know now that members are not working on a first-come, first-served basis as they were in the past. You know, everybody that had a silver membership, for example, back in the day used to scramble to the website, all the rest of it, try and get their uh, tickets in for whatever game it was they were after. And we know now that there's this new balloting system in place. And if you want to find out the full details of it, you can, of course, go over to the Arsenal website, which explains it far better than I ever could. But um, thoughts on the new ticketing system? There's obviously less tickets available to members now than I thought there were in the past. Now, I don't know that for sure because I don't know exact numbers from before. But what I do know now is that you go through this ballot because there are only a very limited number of tickets available. I'm sure Arsenal have more members now than they did two years ago, uh, particularly in the red category, because people are more interested now. People want to go um, and um, and people need to be members in order to have any opportunity to purchase tickets. Do I think it's ideal the way it's working? No, but do I see there being many alternatives? If all that happens normally is everybody rushes and scrambles to the website, the website crashes, people get tickets in their basket and then can't actually purchase them and end up being let down and disappointed. Is that better? I don't think that's better either. The point here is that the demand for Arsenal tickets right now is so high. I don't think there is a solution out there that would please everybody. And that's not me defending the club or or trying to sit on the fence here. I, I was racking my brain over this yesterday because I logged on to, to buy Community Shield final tickets and I actually found the experience really easy, um, which was... Not what I expected, given how many complaints I've read and heard of over the last few months. So, yeah, um, I don't think it's ideal that there are so many members and only a limited number of tickets available. But at the same time, the club will, won't they, prioritise season tickets because that is a guaranteed income for them. There isn't that headache of having to sell those tickets. You're literally sold out for the season and it just becomes, yeah, easier, light work. 
Um, look, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. And th this is the problem with this one. As I say, I don't think it's ideal, but I don't really know what they can do differently. Um, I know that they've started taking into consideration the season ticket holders that actually attend the games, because we know for years that there have been loads um, that that don't um, that don't go to the games that just, um, you know, pass them on, sell them on maybe. And um, Arsenal have, have wanted to clamp down on that. That's why you had, or, or in some cases, leave the tickets empty as well. And I think that was the big problem, um, leaving the tickets empty. And so Arsenal yesterday, when the Community Shield tickets went out on sale, prioritised first those that had attended all 19 Premier League games. And then it went down to 18. And then I think it's 15 after that. So they are marking you, measuring you on your attendance, which I think is a good thing. Uh, but in terms of the ticketing system, look, as I say, it's not great, but again, What's the solution? If someone has an idea, please let me know. Um, I'd love to. Um, I'd love to hear. Okay, uh, let's take uh, some of your questions, some more of your questions. Uh, Tom says, Harry, come. Can we just kick off tomorrow? I know it's only a week until the first preseason match, but it's like Christmas. I'm heading to New York for the manual match uh, and London for Forest. Amazing, mate. Um, hope to see you in London. Um, yeah, look, we, we'd love it to hurry up, wouldn't we? Um, we know that the team um, or, or a lot of the players are expected to be back in uh, on Monday. Um, some were, were, were coming in this week, but I think there's a few more to arrive on Monday that got extended breaks because of international duty and all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, look, we are getting closer and closer to the new season. That is for sure. And, and I, too, am always sort of really excited at this stage of preseason because we're about to see hopefully some of our new signings in red and white and in action. What I will say is I normally get really gassed about preseason matches, watch them for the first 10 minutes and think this is shit. Why was I so excited about this? Um, but that's just the way it goes. Uh, Gary says, uh, Harry is the power of the Premier League. A bit of a myth. Hoyland has scored nine goals and there's a 65 million pound asking price on him. Balogun got 21 goals. And there's a forty million pound asking price. How much power does the Prem really have? I think other clubs or clubs outside of the UK just know that financially the Premier League clubs are just so so superior, and because they know that, they are going to ask for ridiculous prices. I mean, let's take for example Andre Onana, who we think is on his way to Manchester United. The demands that Inter initially set out were over the top and everybody knew that and everybody knew that they'd probably deal at less and they are going to deal at less. But you've got to set your stall out high if you're a foreign club because you know that the Premier League clubs are capable of getting a lot closer to that crazy valuation than anybody else in world football right now with the exception of maybe Real Madrid. So I think the Premier League has obviously benefited from having this financial superiority but it's also created a rod for its own back because when you see deals going through between Premier League clubs that are ridiculous in terms of their value, that then prompts other clubs outside of England to say, well, if they paid this much for this player, then we can demand this much for this player. And it just all becomes a bit of a mess, doesn't it? It, it really, really does. Um, what else have we got? Um, lots of people wishing uh, Stephen well in the chat. Uh, that's what I like to see. Great to see um what an amazing community we have here. And those of you that have been uh, in and around the podcast for a long time will know that Stephen's been here for a long, long time and um, and is one of the 
the OGs. Uh, Gary Griffin says, uh, Dennis Burkamp for the coaching role uh, would be romantic, but unsure if he has the right qualifications. I don't know. There's no track record with Dennis Burkamp, is there, in terms of coaching? There isn't with Santi Cazorla either, and I know that a lot of people would be pro that. But I don't know. Um, I don't know. Mick, uh, Dennis Burkamp, one of the things that used to really frustrate me about Dennis Burkamp, as great as he was, and I know he couldn't help this, but was that obviously that fear of flying and what that meant for us when being on the continent would that be a problem even today of course it would if that's still an issue so um that's one thing that works against him great knowledge of football wonderful technician all the rest of it but um yeah let's see um let's see uh what have we got uh, steven says you and our great football team always keep me going come on you gunners <laughs> brilliant mate all the best um, Joey says, uh, hey, Harry, I got to watch some Timber highlights and that dude is an absolute beast. I'm not going to lie. I haven't kept up with him too much, but wow, he does look a talent, doesn't he? He really, really does. Uh, looks fantastic. Um, what else have we got? Christian says, hi, Harry. I know it won't happen, but the Cronkies gave the biggest NBA contract to a player at their club. They own nothing is impossible referring to the uh, Killian Mbappe story. Oh, yeah, there is a story that I missed off my list, by the way. Um, Gary O'Driscoll, the club doctor. Sorry about this. I don't know how I missed that off my list, but someone's put a question in it, in about it, which prompted me. Gary O'Driscoll, for those that don't know, the club's doctor, is moving to Manchester United. But from what we understand, from what we hear, there is going to be a transitional period. He is going to help somebody else bed into the role. He's been at the club for a long, long time. I've sort of heard from a couple of people this morning that you know he, he he's always want like he's wanted to return back up north for family reasons personal reasons all the rest of it um and so this isn't just gary o'driscoll going screw arsenal i'm moving up to manchester united because i want to join a rival this is something that appeals to him for other reasons as well um so genuinely wish him all the best um i don't want to make fun of gary o'driscoll maybe this is a little bit wrong what i'm going to say now but please don't take it in the wrong way it is light-hearted but manchester united i look forward to you having an injury crisis uh, between march and may every season <laughs> anyway uh anyway let's see um what we got here um maximus says uh, hi harry uh, gary driscoll moving to united as head of medical he's been with us since 2009 your thoughts on yet another backroom staff member moving on? I mean, look, you get turnover, don't you, in any job. Um, it's not ideal. You don't want to lose people that are doing a good job, that are well-liked. But sometimes it's out of your hands as well. And, um, you know, wish him all the best. The key now is is going out and bringing in the right person to replace him as well. So uh, recruitment for Edu and co to be doing uh, behind the scenes as well, um, not just in terms of uh, playing staff. Guys, um, I'm going to take a few more of your questions. going to take another very, very brief pause. If I could just ask you, though, before I do that, to leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. There's no reason, given how many of you are watching, that we shouldn't have at least 250 likes on the board. Please do subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new as well and help us on the road to 30,000 subscribers here on YouTube. That really, really does help too. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know the drill.
hit the like button, subscribe, all the rest of it. Check out as well our members' content on the Another Slice platform, the next piece of which uh, is being worked on today. So you're going to get another episode uh, exclusive to members only on the Another Slice platform, not anywhere else. So please do uh, transfer your membership or hop over uh, to the Another Slice platform if you're interested in A, supporting the podcast, B, getting more uh, content, and C, um, helping us to support the charity with whom we're donating to regularly via our members' pot. Be back in just a sec. Okay, let's take some more of your comments, some more of your questions from the live chat. Um, Deepak uh, on the Thomas Partey thing uh, says, uh, would you like to keep Partey for this season or sell him and get a new player, uh, meaning a complete rebuild in midfield? Personally, I think the right thing to do is probably keep Thomas Partey because I think although we talk about rebuilds a lot and we're rebuilding this and we're rebuilding that and we have generally rebuilt the squad um, from the ground up again, I think a bit of continuity from last season, which was a very good season, is not a bad thing. And it's actually probably something that we require in order to maintain the standards uh, that we set over the last 12 months or so. So Unless we're going to go out and get a world beat of midfielder in and someone that is definitely going to be as good or better than Thomas Partey, maybe with a better fitness record, whatever, then I wouldn't be in a rush to move him on. The latest we heard on Thomas Partey or the latest that's being reported is that his people have notified the Saudis that he's not interested in a move to Saudi Arabia at this stage, which rules out, in my opinion, Arsenal getting big money for him, which lessens the appeal of the idea of selling him. So I think for me, you keep him unless you're going to go out and bring in someone that is a game changer. People keep talking about, um, you know, uh, Romeo Lavia, who we mentioned a little bit earlier on in the show. Is he a game changer today? I don't think he is. I think he can be in the future. Right now, though, I'd be sceptical on that one. Um, so, yeah, uh, Christian, um, has put in a, a super chat donation. Thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, he says, Harry, our new awake it thoughts. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to fi find polite words to describe Arsenal's awake it for next season. Screw it. It is the worst Arsenal awake it I've seen in years. Adidas have been so good with the kit so far. The black gold, black and gold one was, for me, elite, 10 out of 10. Um, very, very good. I actually like the green one, the third one, that's going to be released a little bit later on, more than I like the away one. The, the yellow one is horrible. I, I'm all for the idea of um, the... Um, uh, you know, the the yellow away kit. Uh, that's traditional Arsenal, isn't it? But yeah, nah, that's a horrendous kit. I agree with you, mate. And like, I was trying to be polite about it. I, I don't know how to put it in a nice way. It's that bad. Um, it is that bad. Um, what else have we got? Let's take a few more of your questions. Um, Raphael Lim says, Harry, trust your well. Do you see yourself writing a book in the future? about your experiences as a supporter of Arsenal, your work as a podcaster and commentator. To be honest, mate, I, I don't think anybody would buy it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no, I've not thought about that. There's so much more I want to do and, and achieve, and I'm nowhere near it yet. 
Um, so I don't think it would be a the right time and b something that would appeal to the wider um, audience. It would be great if I got to a point someday where it did apply, apply, uh, apply appeal to people, but I don't see it right now. Um, I don't see it right now. Maybe one day, but hey, there's a long way to go. Um, <laughs> Steve Stone says the reason why Harry has to keep reminding us to like is because of old fossils like me who keep forgetting. Sorry, H mate, it's all good. I know that people forget. I forget to do it when I'm watching videos, which is why um, I remind people and prompt people to do it because. I've said it before. Um, I've said it before, like. You probably don't realize until you're in the YouTube game, if you like, how important it is in terms of the algorithm and how it drives the recommendation of your video, which ultimately puts it in front of more people, which ultimately drives more views, which ultimately drives new subscribers and exposure for the channel. It also, the more views you get, the more revenue you generate off of YouTube. That's the reality of it. And a lot of people do this for work now and, and need to generate that revenue. And, you know, I remember sort of maybe probably before the season that's just finished where I, I definitely had less work in the football space. Um, I had enough to get me by, but I had less work and I was much more reliant on my YouTube revenue um, sort of supplement in the money I was earning elsewhere. That's not so much the case now where I panic about it, but I do go through months where I think, wow, why has that gone down? Um, and and like the, whatever you earn, you, you kind of get used to living within those means, don't you? So when there is a bit of a drop off, you do think, oh, wow. And if there's something that I can ask you guys to do that directly impacts that and helps me, um, then I'm going to ask. And, and yeah, I don't think it's a big ask. It's just clicking one single button. Uh, but anyway, um, brilliant stuff. Right. Uh, let's take this one from um, Kenny, who says, uh, the way we play, Partey is better than Rice. I need evidence of otherwise. Why this hate on Partey? I think it's going to be really, really interesting if we get to see them in the same team. Um, and, and it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they're used, uh, utilised, all the rest of it. I agree, though, the disrespect for Thomas Partey has been really weird this summer. Um, really, really weird. Um, William Salibak. <laughs> um, William Salibak is injured. Sorry, I've just seen the rest of it uh, with a question. Harry, how are you? Uh, buzzing for the announcements. It was bittersweet seeing Jack ago. Thoughts on Mohamed Kudus instead of Lavia? Don't know that much about Mohamed Kudus, to be honest with you, to be able to say one way or the other. Um, but again, would I be sure that he'd be coming in and, and improving us straight off the bat? I wouldn't. So that's another one that I'd be reluctant to move for unless there was a, an appealing deal on the table. And I think with the likes of Kudus and Lavia, because of their ages and all the rest of it, you're always going to get um, this, this um, you know, you're always going to find yourself talking about an unrealistic price or a price that doesn't reflect what they've achieved so far and one that probably is more taken into consideration what's going to happen later down the line. But anyway, okay, guys, uh, I am going to leave it there. Thank you so, so much uh, for joining me. Hopefully we get some announcements later on that we can jump back on and talk about. That'll be fun. Um, I'm going to kick back today and I'm going to do some work, but going to have my laptop in front of me and, and going to be enjoying some of the sport as well, because Wimbledon's on, the Ashes, there's so much to to keep across right now. I'm really, really loving it. The sun is shining as well. What more do you want? I'll see you guys all in a bit. Until next time, take care of yourselves and goodbye. 
I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.